in today's episode of Rob Conrad Conversations. Myrna Valerio. But I was like, this is what I'm, this is what I am meant to be doing. Running has brought me like this incredible, not only this incredible sense of self and uh, like and power and, and strength, but it has brought me this, this community uh, that I love so much. It's, it's, it's hard for me, <laughs> um, it's hard to deal with, you know, when people are, are super negative and to, especially when it comes to something that brings me so much joy and so much fulfillment and self-actualization. She's an ultra marathon runner. You can say big bones, you can, you can say fat, you can say um, curvy, voluptuous. A lot of people take issue. Well, you can't say you're fat because, you know, like I'm offended by that. I'm like, what? I'm not writing about you. Who defies all stereotypes. I'm, well, I'm trying to prove to myself, I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone else, but to myself that, yeah, I, I, I can do very difficult things. I do want to show people that you can, you know, wherever you are and whatever skin you're in, whatever body you're in, that you can have fun and you can explore. Join the conversation now. Welcome to Rob Conrad Conversations. Conversations with extraordinary people that motivate and inspire. Learn grow and impact lives subscribe now and hit the bell icon for a new conversation every week here comes the sunshine and burns away clouds like they never were hey welcome this is rob conrad from switzerland when i think about marathon runners or even ultra marathon runners the picture i have in my head is a middle-aged, wiry man with a stubborn look on his withered face, suffering away mile after mile, you know, checking his watch, pushing a little button every so often. So that's the image I have in my head. Myrna Valerio doesn't exactly fit the stereotype. She's running marathons and ultramarathons, yes, but uh, she's a woman. She isn't white and she's more on the big side. Myrna is the Fat Girl Running, which is also the name of her blog. She's the author of the book A Beautiful Work in Progress, a fitness model, a trained opera singer, Spanish teacher and director of equity and inclusion. Unfortunately, as you'll probably see in this conversation, she's really uncommunicative, she's tight-lipped and has no sense of humor whatsoever. <laughs> but I'll do my best to get at least a little bit out of her to talk about running, stereotypes, body positivity, music, and we'll see what else. Thanks for taking the time and talking with me today, Myrna Valerio. Wie geht es Good dir? morning. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's morning in my area of the world. <laughs> I guess it's afternoon. It's uh, like where 5 p.m. Yeah, where I am. Yes, exactly. But hello, hello. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Um, so uh, I've read somewhere you are um, an Afro-Latina. Is it right? So, uh, yes, I am partially Central American. Uh -huh. So my father um, was Honduran uh -huh. uh, from Honduras, uh -huh. and uh, and my mother is from Brooklyn. So, so, New so York. It's, it's like <laughs> African American with a short fuse and hot temper from the. Uh, you, <laughs> well, I've always had a short fuse, so. <laughs> so I don't know which part of my identity that fits, but. Uh, But yeah, so um, I'm definitely a, a Hispanic, uh -huh. um, African American. I just say I, I just say black. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've got all these like interesting uh, aspects to myself. Yeah, yeah, and, and you speak German. That's that's also amazing that we found out. Yeah, ich kann Deutsch ein bisschen. Yeah, wunderbar, wunderbar. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did you learn that? 
I, you know, as a singer, I had to study German along with Italian, French, and, and some other languages. And so, and, and I am a, you know, I'm a linguist. I love languages. I learn them very easily. And, and it helps me communicate with people from all over the world. So, uh, you know, I have to practice my German because I am actually going to be doing Berlin Marathon in September. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, yeah, I have to uh, find some people to talk with. So I like <laughs> I come up as like a typical American and doesn't know anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why Berlin? I mean, there's probably other marathons uh, which, are, which are a bit closer ah. to your location. Ah. I mean, why not? I also got an invite, so, oh, well, okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to pass it up. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair, fair enough. You've ever been to Germany before? I have not. And I've been, you know, like I have been to Europe many, many times. Mm. My husband has been back and forth to like München and, and Hamburg. And, ah, and I, okay. have, you know, only been in France, Italy and Spain. That's where I go. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So, so how, how long are you going to stay? Any plans to like stop by in Switzerland I or something? You know, you know, I might, you know, because I need a watch and I need some chocolate. So, <laughs> um, uh, I yeah, I, I'm going to make it a whole probably week and a half long adventure. So I can, cool. you know, go and like go to the mountains and uh, do some trail running and stuff because I can't just go and road run. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me know if you're anywhere near Switzerland because, you know, where we live, it's a really beautiful scenery. You have beautiful hikes and everything. So I can send you some All pictures right. later on, too. Okay. When I show up at your doorstep, don't act like you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, one thing I just kind of want to get out of the way uh, right at the beginning. Um, you call yourself like the fat girl running. Um, but yeah. like, if I refer to your body weight in the conversation, what, what's the appropriate way to, to is it like, sh shall we dance around or saying big boned or, or something like that? Uh, you or can, is it big? You know, or, you can or, say or, big boned. You can, you can say fat. You can say... Um, Uh, curvy, voluptuous. Uh, what the, I, I, the words that trigger me the most are obese and overweight. Okay. okay. Um, those are the two words that I, uh, that really just send me somewhere in a, to a negative place, uh, because I, you know, they're very sort of clinical and mm -hmm. judgmental, I think. So, um, and you know, I'm really trying to reclaim the word fat. It's just a descriptor. So, Uh, I'm I'm totally okay if you say as a fat girl or as a big girl or as a you know larger woman. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, no, maybe let's start here um, because it, it kind of triggers something. And um, I uh, read in your book that um, you mentioned sometimes people you know kind of um, refer to to uh, you know big people or whatever as as with them with these terms and they do it in a seemingly positive way also know you know oh it's it's great that person is running and it's great that person like, is oh my god it's, wow. it's so amazing and <laughs> and and you know you described that that really you know takes you off uh, quite a bit so, so can you explain why that is well you know i th i think people are really well-intentioned most of the time uh i don't think most human beings have it out to be malicious or mean to other human beings but there are some people that are but you know i think You know, when you see somebody else, like somebody like me running um, or, you know, somebody else who's big, somebody else who's fat or somebody else who doesn't fit what your perceived norm of a runner is. And, you know, they're like, oh, wow, way to go. So glad you're out here. Oh, my God. Look at you. Look at you. That's the one thing. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, look at me. What? You know, I'm, I'm running. I'm doing what humans are designed to do. And, um, you know, because they have not maybe seen that represented in their world or in their, in their 
in their life experience, it's, it's a weird thing. And so they get all excited about it and, and they assume things about why you're out there. Like, oh, you're, you're trying to lose weight. You're on a weight loss journey or, you know, this is really hard for you. Wow. Um, and so there's a lot of there, there are a lot of assumptions in those type of comments. But, you know, I really do try to take everything, you know, that is intended as a compliment. I try to take it as a compliment, but it's really hard. Um, because that those compliments are coming from a place where, you know, you're an anomaly or you are, um, it's so weird to see you out here. And some, some people say that they say, wow, it's just so, I've never seen anybody like you out here. Um, and that just like, and it just creates this chasm, you know, um, I'm just trying to do, I'm just trying to run. I'm just trying to be on the trails. Um, but, but I get it. I get people are trying to be supportive. Um, but sometimes that support and, uh, comes from, from a from a, a really uh, a presumptuous place. Okay, okay. So they're stereotyping you in a way that you shouldn't be here, but it's great that you are, so that we can openly welcome you and as part of our community, which is like no the non fat right, people. Yeah, because and, yeah, right. Because you, do, I mean, like you clearly don't belong. Mm -hmm. But so, but we're gonna be like extra. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, it's, you know, it's, and it's kind of like. Um, I was in Italy once for, for an opera program, and uh, uh, and this has nothing to do with running, but it's it's very similar experience. You know, I I went in, I went to Italy. I already knew quite a quite a bit of Italian, mm -hmm. and uh, and so like and there and I went with a lot of Americans, and you know I speak a lot of languages, and mm -hmm. and there and you know and I'm in the like most advanced class, but this this one guy that worked in the office just just thought that he, he took a look at me. I didn't I did not speak Italian. Like he's like Mirna. No, <laughs> he's like this. He's like, no, la tua familia. Oh, capito? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, uh, oh, yeah. I was like, mia familia. <laughs> he's like, oh, why? <laughs> oh, I just, I took one look at you. I didn't think you spoke Italian. And it's, you know, it's so it's these assumptions that people make, and they, they do really try to embrace you. Um, but it also, like, I'm like, can you just like? Can you just say hi? Give me a high five and, mm -hmm. and keep going. So, I mean, and that sounds like very sort of narcissistic. And um, but when it happens over and over again, when people are like surprised mm -hmm. that you're there, they're surprised that you can do a 50K, they're surprised that you go to the gym and, and you bear your arms there. And, and oh, you're so courageous. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm not courageous. I'm just I, I'm, I'm dressing so that I can be comfortable. You know, so um, so there's a <laughs> yeah. like, conflation of like what you're doing and why you're doing it. And so, yeah, it does, you know, I, I don't want to seem like a, a jerk, <laughs> mm. but it does like, it's like it, it nicks at you over and over again when, when those, when those assumptions are made. That was a very long answer to your question. <laughs> no, but, but it's, I think it's, it's um, interesting. It's important to understand because, um, in a way, it's a natural reaction. Natural reaction. I mean, it's it's, it's you're you're not you're not fitting the norm, whatever the norm is. So so right, I, right. I I can I can see I can see where those people are coming from. But um, uh, I totally get where where this is inappropriate and and it is stereotyping people and and uh, no, not pro probably most of the cases as yet not intentionally, but it it, it is stereotyping. Right, but it is yeah because I mean, but to be we we're humans, we do place people in boxes <laughs> because it it makes it easier for us to navigate society. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we also have the intellectual capability to go beyond that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, there, there are some people who really um, attack you right right away. So the, uh, there's the short documentary or this, this little movie about mm -hmm. you. 
Um, and uh, what happened to those who haven't seen it? So while you were running and while you're making this documentary, basically you've received an email from someone, mm -hmm. um, you know, calling you a fraud and and you know, right. really really calling you horrible names for no for running. And now it's all fake. Mm -hmm. And you now you, you can't be. How right. can you possibly be running? So it's all for the media. Right. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about that and what what that did with you and and what that you know the reaction you had for that to that. Right. Um. I. <laughs> So when I started my blog, Fat Girl Running, mm -hmm. first of all, um, a lot of people took issue with the name of the blog mm -hmm. because, you know, well, you can't, you, know, you can't say you're fat because, you know, like I'm offended by that. I'm like, but I'm not writing about you. I'm writing about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the whole purpose of the blog was to talk about my experiences being a larger athlete amongst thinner athletes, mm -hmm. uh, and specifically in long distance uh, and endurance events. And, um, and even, you know, like I would get, I would have conversations with people. I would, you know, I'd be out on the trail and people would say things like, wow, I don't, you know, I don't believe you're still out here or wow. Like maybe you shouldn't, you know, maybe you should just try it for the 5k because it's shorter, you know, it's better for your body <laughs> or, or, you know, like I'd be training and some guy would, and I'd, you know, I'd be jogging or running, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, and a guy would pass me and say, you know, you, you'd lose more weight if you, if you, uh, if you walked. And I said, mm -hmm bro, I'm training for three marathons. He's like, oh, my bad. Oh, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so like there are all of these, again, assumptions and these thoughts that people have because they have a particular norm or they have a particular picture of who should be a runner or who can be a runner. Um, and so when I, so I do, uh, I, I have in the past received uh, some uh, commentary mm -hmm. <laughs> or feedback. Uh, and this, and this one, thing that you're talking about the the video the rei presents the murnivator that that film was not that film was supposed to be about a black woman in running like in the woods mm -hmm. because that's another issue in the outdoor industry you know there's not a, a lot of diversity um they're working on it but you know it's, it's slow going and uh, progress is slow going um and so like they commissioned the filmmaker to make this film about me and an ultra runner, and I had already had a you know notoriety. You know, I'd already been featured in Runner's World and and Wall Street Journal and and um, and other media outlets. And so, uh, but this film, you know, I'm just doing a 50k because I'm gearing up towards a really huge race uh, at the end of the summer. Uh, so she came out. The filmmaker came out and was you know was posted herself in different places, and um, you know we're having a good time. And it's and it was a really sort of raw picture of me at doing what I do mm -hmm. and uh while I'm doing while she's there while she's filming mm -hmm. I take out my, my camera to do a selfie with my friends because my friends did the last loop with me mm -hmm. and uh and then I get this notification and there's this email in the email um the title of the email the subject line was running and so I thought maybe um, you know, maybe it's one of my cross-country athletes, uh, parents, maybe it's a, it's a question about my cross-country program. Maybe it's one of my fans mm -hmm. because sometimes they find my, um, they find my email, my work email, they, mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they dig and, well, uh, <laughs> and yeah. And like, you know, it, it takes time to do that. Right. So, um, so I open the email, it, you know, everybody has their phone on the trail now. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. So, so, you know, I opened it up and, and I read this, this vitriolic, these vitriolic words, you know, aimed at hurting me and telling me that my body was not worthy, that what I was doing was fake, that I was 
you know, that I was trying to get people to, to accept fat people and, you know, because, and that's deadly and, you know, um, and it, that hurt, <laughs> you know, while I'm at the most vulnerable point in my race, I was almost finished, but I was in pain. Mm-hmm. I was tired. You know, I was chafing everywhere. You know, I just wanted it to be over. It was wet. I was cold, you know, and then all these things were going through my head. And to receive those words that were very specifically aimed at hurting me and, and making, making it known that I was not a worthy human being, mm-hmm. um, you know, at that point in the race while I was doing something I loved. Mm-hmm. That was, it was very painful. It was very traumatic. And, um, and so at the end, so that, you know, I, you know, showed my friends and they were like, you know, this guy's, they're like, oh my God, this, what you're like, you're actually doing, you're doing the thing that he says that you don't do. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're at 50 K and you're yeah. almost done. And, uh, and they're like, you know, screw him. They said some other words with expletives. I won't repeat them now, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, and so, you know, I said, well, you know what, I'm not. I'm going to put my phone away before I post this on Instagram mm-hmm. because I wanted to share with people like this is this is real like this is this really happens like you know when people tell you like they that that you know um, you know people make comments to them at the gym or while they're out running or people yell things out the window they're not lying mm-hmm. they're not lying it's a reality because again when people are confronted with something that alters their reality sometimes they react violently and i don't mean just like physically violently but like you know they're verbally abusive they're emotionally abusive and um and many many people go through that even people who are not fat so um you know so i posted on instagram and that and then that kind of went viral itself i got like 250 comments after a couple minutes and then many many more when i finished and then i get to the end the filmmaker congratulates me she's like oh you did such a great job congratulations congratulations um but, you know, by the way, I'm so sorry about that email that you got. Like, I saw that because, you know, she's waiting at the end. So she has nothing to do but, like, uh, you know, be on her, her Instagram. And uh, she's like, that's awful. And so at the and so after that, after I cleaned up and everything, she's like, by the way, if, if you want to talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, when I come back to um, film you some more. Um, in a few weeks, you know, we can talk about it. And I was like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, in my mind, I didn't say, you know, I said, well, maybe, um, because that's, you know, that'll just mar my experience. Mm-hmm. But when she did come back, uh, at the very end of her stay, while we were shooting, she says, are you, are you ready for this? And I said, what? She says, take out your phone and bring up the email. And then all of these emotions start coming back. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a, I'm not a crier. So, like, I didn't cry on, in, during the film. But, um, I mean, I de- definitely shed some tears uh, in private. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, she had me read this email again. And, and I'm like, wow, oh, my God. Like, I'm, I think... Had I been a different person, had it had it been, had I not had my friends around, had I not had a community to fall back on, had I not had a loving family um, and a loving workplace, that might have gone very differently. In you what know, way? I might, you know, I might have stopped running. I might have really um, internalized the feeling of worthlessness. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I don't. I may have done something else. Um, and so. But I'm really proud and happy that I have that I belong to the trail running community is amazing. Like the running community in general is amazing. Uh, and then the people who 
do and say things like that. You know, they may be runners too, but they're they're far and few between, uh, far and few between, because most people that I encounter on the trail or in my running life are incredibly supportive, and it's usually the people that don't really run, that don't engage in the kinds of activities that I do and, and aren't able to see the, the plethora of types of bodies that are out there, types of people, the, the genders, and they don't see that because they have this very limited view, the very limited experience. And so, and those are the people that, you know, come, come at me and others with all the negativity and, and the, and the doubt mm-hmm. and the, you know, I don't believe you did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no way that you did that. Mm-hmm. Did that person yeah. identify himself? As who he is, so oh yeah, so so he was, yeah. I mean, it was his, his email was, you know, his email was uh, it had his name in it. Mm-hmm. So it was like an, an anonymous troll who just you now tried to cause some. It wasn't an, there. It was, it it wasn't really, anonymous. It was like someone who really had that opinion and really just wanted to hurt you and he to mess, really, mess with he you. He really needed to, you know, and he signed his name at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I posted the Instagram, I left his name up there. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you reply uh, to yeah. him? Did I? Did you reply to him? No, I no. Okay, so you never like <laughs> no, kind of I, challenged no. him. I, I had no. I'd never had any intention of of replying. But you know, the funny thing is that you know when I posted it with his name, people looked him up because mm-hmm. um, it was not a very common name, and so um, I got lots of messages. Some people DM'd me and and instant uh, inboxed me and with you know, well, you know, if you want my um, you know, I, I saw his social media. Uh, and he's not a very attractive guy. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, like I, you know, I said my piece um, uh, and I can't remember what exactly it was that I wrote on, um, on, uh, on Instagram. I mean, it's up there. Mm. Uh, I left it up there, but, uh, and I said, you know, this, you know, I was like, this is, this stuff really happens. And, you know, you know, people try to, um, excoriate me that's the word i use Mm -hmm. for doing what i do for my existence and um you know but like lots of people i had so many com so many positive comments and 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 you know uh words of support and encouragement and 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 gratitude thank you for being out there thank you for putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. because i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to do that or uh you know like if you want you want my running club to go run by this guy's house (laughs) <laughs> so, we'll do it with chains and, and I, you know, again, I, said, I don't want any part of that i don't want to go to jail okay, and, okay. You know. um so uh yeah so like it's been it's been really interesting that video went viral mm-hmm. um and i think uh rei which was the company that uh had commissioned it uh you know i think they had planned on releasing it later but it was so good mm-hmm. that they released it early and um and then it just it just did its own thing and ran away and like and it's still like i get messages every single day i just saw your video on youtube or i just saw it on the rei website or i just saw it somebody shared it with me and wow it changed my life you keep going and you know it it came out in 2017 so it's now like a year and a half ago now and it's still on the it's still still on the um film festival circuits uh which i think is incredible um and uh and it's, you know, it's still, as people say, they're still changing people's lives, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, because they just saw, you know, like, here I am just going out and doing what I do because I love doing it. And, I, you know, that's, that's how I fulfill my soul and, and my spirit and, and, you know, my, my sort of physical needs as a human being. And, you know, and somebody's just kind of trying to step on me 
um, for doing that. And and for many people, it resonated with them because, you know, maybe it wasn't running, maybe it's something else, maybe it had nothing to do with any kind of exercise, but maybe it's something in their lives that they love to do and that they need to do that people just absolutely excoriate them for doing it and for existing. And so it spoke to a lot of people and, you know, it still does. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not happy that that happened, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but it, it turned out to be an incredible gift. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think it is that people react so aggressively in that way because it, it, it wasn't like a short comment it was like a long email mm-hmm. and someone put some mm-hmm. time and effort into mm-hmm. writing that so i'm always wondering if you if something annoys you that much that that you spend half an hour you know typing up an email and sending it with your full name you know, there, there must be something i don't know lacking or something where you, you're like unhappy in your own life that 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 seeing that hurts you so much that you take the time to kind of vent your anger so so i'm, I'm always wondering right. what, 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 what's, your, what's your take on that? Right. And, you know, and the question is, you know, how, like, what motivates somebody to do that? To, to dig, he had to dig and, like, do a Google search and find out where I worked. I mean, everybody knew where I worked at that point. Um, and, like, maybe tried, tried a couple of different ways to write my name for the emails, my work email. And, um, but, You know, and I, I had also been on TV three times that week. So I was like, maybe he was tired of seeing me. You know? <laughs> and, um, but all of that, all of that said, that comes from people's own darkness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the only way that, that, that can, I think that can be justified. You know, like somebody is dealing with their own darkness, whatever is going on with mm-hmm. them, they, you know, they try to externalize that and they put it on somebody else. They, you know, they, they lash out at other people because they have something going on with them. And, um, you know, and it hurts other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but you know what, that has nothing to do with me. The fact that you think this, or you think that, you know, maybe that person is on a weight loss journey. Maybe, you know, maybe by looking at me and, and seeing that I, I do run the miles that I do, maybe it scares them because they think that they're going to lose a lot of weight. And then I haven't lost, I mean, I lost 70 pounds a long time ago um, when I first restarted running. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I also worked out for five and a half hours a day. But people don't see that. They don't know that. And, um, you know, and then I stopped doing that and I just kept running because I was doing other things. And, and so like, I think by looking at people, people are like, Oh, well, I, I don't want to stay fat. You know, I don't want to, in it. And so that makes them scared. And, um, you know, and so like, I think that people do react in a certain way based on their own expectations of themselves or their own, you know, whatever they are lacking mm-hmm. in themselves. Um, you know, and so I think that's what it is. And so like, I have to actively talk myself out of internalizing other people's darkness. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's hard sometimes, you know, I have a friend um, uh, who's kind of in a similar arena that I'm in. Uh, you probably know who she is, Latoya Snell. So she's, she's, uh, she's also an ultra runner. She's a, she's a big girl. She's black. Um, she's, we, she's a very different style than I do, but, but that, you know, people are also questioning what she does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, she's, you know, she also, she lifts weight, she does this and they question and they constantly try to bring her down um, because again, she doesn't fit the perceived norm of, you know, of what a runner is or what somebody who exercises 
is or looks like or can be or can do. And uh, just because that's something that they haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that makes people react in a certain way. You know, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me. <laughs> um, it's hard to deal with, you know, when people are, are super negative and especially when it comes to something that brings me so much joy and so much fulfillment and self-actualization. Um, it's hard when people attack that. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and in a way, it's, it's always hard to, even if you're, you know, you're, it's your thing and you know that they can't take it away from you, it, it, it's hard to deflect these things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we're human beings and we have emotions and we are sponges. Um, but, and that's why I do, like, I, I really have an incredible community and I try to surround myself and I do surround myself with, with people I know that are going to have my back all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's definitely amazing. Mm. And you said a few moments ago, um, and I really like that it running something that, that kind of nourishes your soul or, or feeds oh. your soul. And, mm-hmm. and, um, in your, in your, in your book, you describe it in a really nice way. Um, you say, uh, Like you, you make the comparison between running and playing the piano. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, like playing the piano more or like, you know, uh, running more doesn't make you a better runner, but it makes you a better person because, um, yeah. of, of, no, it's difficult. And the, the, the pleasure of engaging in a difficulty makes you a better person. And, um, I really like that. I really like it because that's, mm-hmm. a, that's at the end of this, that's what it's all about. I mean, if it's, uh, it, it's not about perfection. It's not about, mm-hmm. um, you know, achieving the, you know, being the, 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 the world's best runner. Right. Right. Yeah. And for some people that is like some people, they need to be the elite runners. They need to like be able to, um, qualify for Boston. Mm-hmm. They need to do whatever. And I, you know, I, I will never be able to do that. <laughs> you know, I, I ran Boston. I didn't have to qualify, but that was a special circumstance, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, uh, I, it is, you know, <laughs> the funny thing was that that, that was one of the chapters in my book that was edited the most because it was so long. Because it was like, <laughs> okay. I just went on and on about, you know, playing rock and and off and play. <laughs> you know like i love the piano and i i've spent countless hours and hours practicing and playing and um you know i i you know like i don't have the edit I mean, my fingers are fine but you know like i will never be a great pianist mm-hmm. um And that's okay because I do it because I love the music and the, the fact that I'm able to play the music, even though it's not always perfect, uh, you know, uh, even though my fingers get stuck sometimes, you know, <laughs> but it's, it brings me so much joy. Like I would spend in high school, I'd spend hours and hours and hours singing and playing piano, like singing. I'm, a, I'm, I'm good at, <laughs> like, you know, so <clears throat> excuse me, that's on another realm, but, but piano, like, because, um, you know, it, it just, allows me this this thing to it allows me to explore all these like nooks and crannies of music that you know that not everybody has access to you know and allows me to do that and running does the same thing and like my legs allow me to explore these incredible trails the the the, the world and in a way that most people don't get to do and that is just so nourishing and and um and so exciting and that and it's still hard for me. It is, you know, every now and then I get into flow. Yesterday when I was on the mountain with one of my former students, 
I was in a flow, even though I'm, I'm sick, yeah. <laughs> you know, a really bad chest cold and, and I'm at altitude after coming from sea level. But there were moments when we're just running silently on the trail. Um, it's snow covered. It is the sun is coming up over the mountain. And it's just like this experience that, you know, it's like I'm getting a little teary because it's it's just so beautiful and so human and so and it's and it's this thing that you know like not everybody has access to and so I'm so grateful for that so that's what I'm getting really emotional <laughs> but um but but that's what it is you know whether it's playing piano or, or doing something that really just engages every part of your every part of your humanity your soul your your physicality your emotions your 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 mentality um, the way you interact with people, the way you react to people, the way, the way you are in the world. And like, so, so it feeds everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so so, so what, everything. what goes through your mind when you're running? So after a while, it's, I guess in the beginning, it's like, you know, you need to find your rhythm, but then after a while, uh -huh. it's just for me, and I'm, 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 I have to say, I'm not really a runner. I just, yeah. I never, I never had the magic moment. Um, so for me, it's just boring. If I run, it's like, oh, I wish it would be over. So what, what goes through your mind um, when you, you know, getting into the flow and then when you, you start experiencing this, this, this magic? Well, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm super happy that I have, um, that we have these like incredible phones now that we can take pictures with mm -hmm. because I, I look for beauty when I run. Mm -hmm. So uh, because Running is not super easy for me. I mean, like, you know, it's easier than it used to be. <laughs> I can go out, like, if I need to run five miles, I'll run five miles. You know, um, but it's, you know, there's always that first mile and a half or two <laughs> or four. <laughs> that are, um, you know, I'm like, why am I doing this again? Oh, I mean, my chest hurts. My legs hurt. I'm so sore. Oh, I just want to go back to bed. Mm -hmm. But then you, you know, once, and that's your body just working things out and getting ready, getting you ready for, like, an incredible experience. And so you don't always have an incredible experience. But uh, when I do, it's like really powerful. But, you know, normally you know, I get out and um, after, you know, as, as I said, after about a mile and a half, two miles, um, depending on if it's flat or, <laughs> or, or uh, you know, hilly, uh, then, I, then I start, you know, I start processing my day or like what I'm going to do, you know, for the rest of the day. Um, you know, I think about a whole bunch of things. And the moment when I'm not thinking about a whole bunch of things is, is when I have achieved flow. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm moving my body like this, when I'm not mm -hmm. thinking about, um, you know, what I have to do tomorrow, like when I have to buy this plane ticket for that, you know, like, um, and I'm just moving my body as it was intended to move. And, and it's, 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 it's like a, it's a very sort of meditative um, period. Mm -hmm. um, again, it doesn't happen every single time because sometimes I'm just so consumed with my day and with mm -hmm. the, the things that I have to do that I just can't let it go. But when I can let it go, like you're like floating on air and it's not, and that's not endorphins. That's not, um, you know, the runner's high. That's not that. It's just a, a state of flow and anyone can reach a state of flow and whatever they're doing when they're completely engaged in something that time doesn't exist, mm -hmm. nothing exists, but what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, and it's amazing. And then when you come out of it, you're like, Oh, whoa, like I could do this forever. And then like you trip and you, like, <laughs> you fall, <laughs> you lose concentration, <laughs> you know? So that's, so that's what it is. Like it, it doesn't happen every single time. Uh, but I definitely, after every run, I'm like, wow, like I did that. That's, that's really cool. 
And I keep talking about this run I did yesterday because it was so fantastic, even though I wasn't feeling well um, and I couldn't breathe. Um, but I was like, this is what I'm, this is what I am meant to be doing. And, and it, you know, it was hard. I'm super sore because we were like going up the mountain um, from it yesterday. But, you know, like I had, I had an incredible uh, running partner with me, one of my former students. And, you know, like, and it's just like everything comes back to me. Like, like, you know, people are coming back into my life that I care about and that I love and, you know, that are my community. And so like that's running has brought me like this incredible not only this incredible sense of self and uh, like and power and and strength, but it has brought me this this community mm-hmm. uh, that I love so much. Okay, okay, and I mean you're running um, marathons and ultra marathons, and uh, can you talk a little bit about the, like the psychology of running a marathon and ultra marathon? For 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 me, the way I imagine it is it must be the sequence of no death and rebirth in a way, um, because it just feels like um, seems like it's such a horrible thing for me to run that, that distance. So um, I mean, there must be a point when you're running like if you're running 20 kilometers, okay, that's miles or whatever. That's that's okay. That's a reasonable distance to run. But like if you're doing two times that or four times that or even even more, I mean, there must be a point where just the the, the suffering takes over. So so what are the stages that you go through and, and why are you doing that? <laughs> well, there's some people that are uh, attracted to suffering, I mm. think. Um, because I think, and I, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I mean, if I do ultra marathoning, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or marathoning, um, because it, you learn so much from it. Mm. Um, you know, while you're in the actual trenches of suffering, you know, whether it's physical suffering, you know, whether you're in pain or you're sore or your hip hurts or your back hurts. Uh, and it's, and it's not like, you know, like a serious pain like that, but it's, but it's painful. And, you know, it, it, you really have to dig deep. Um, and then it becomes a mental thing. So most people can run or walk long distances. Um, and I say not obviously not people who are disabled in a way that affects their their mobility, but um, but most people are able to do that, and we just don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't know until we try, until we push ourselves, until we go through that suffering, until we until we discover that oh, even though I was suffering, like even though I like really I was really dehydrated, mm-hmm. you know, I got some water, I got some food, uh, I was I was able to continue doing that even though I was in the trenches, even though I was I had an incredibly low, low point um, where I was like, why am I doing this? This is dumb. I don't understand why I go out there and I'm trying to run 62 miles and it's dark. I, my my headlamp blew out. I'm gonna crash into a cactus. <laughs> it's the first chapter in my book, right? Yeah, yeah. Why am I doing? Why am I doing this? <laughs> what am I trying to prove? Um, I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm trying. To <laughs> I'm, well, I'm trying to prove to myself. I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone else, but to myself that yeah, I, I, I can do very difficult things, and I can survive, <laughs> and I can learn from it. And so, like, I learned so much from those moments where I am questioning. <laughs> my life and my life choices <laughs> uh, because my foot hurts or because, you know, I have 15 miles ahead of me and it's so boring. I don't have anybody to talk to and there are only trees. Around. <laughs> but, um, you know, and so, but I think that, that, that skill, the ability to just be, to just to suffer and to know that you're suffering, uh, the, the ability to deal with that, 
and to know that at some point you're not going to be suffering mm-hmm. um, and to look expectantly at that point when you, you know, like the light at the end of the tunnel, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and, and then to get there and still be alive and you're like, okay, well, I can do that. Wow. So I can, I can work on this huge project at work, even though there's no end in sight, Mm -hmm. I can suffer. I can, but I have to still keep toiling. I have to, I have to do the work. I have to keep moving my feet forward. I have to keep doing this. I have to keep doing that because that's the only way that I'm going to get closer to where I need to be. So, um, all of those lessons are, are transferable. And I think, uh, and I think that's one of the things that's that one of the things that's very attractive about ultra marathoning or ultra marathoning. I also just like to be out in the woods mm-hmm. for as long as I can, you know. And if and if I can get more miles faster, like you know, for me, I'm I'm not very fast, but I'm not fast at all. But um, but it gives me more time out out in the woods, mm-hmm. and you know, it allows me to connect with nature in the most visceral human way possible. So I'm out there on the trails. It's just me and the trails, you know, and some deer and maybe some so, panthers. And, and some, <laughs> some, some bear cups. Huh? Some bears and some oh, bear cups. Some bear. Oh, some yeah. bears. Yes, yeah. yes. Bears. Um, right. <laughs> but even, you know, like just this past weekend, I was, uh, I, I did a couple of loops at a race uh, uh, not too far from where I am in Colorado. And I had intended to do 18, 20 miles on this course. It was a loop course. And so my fourth loop, it was dark and I had my headlamp on and, uh, and I was on this part of the trail that nobody else was on. Mm. And uh, because other people were doing the longer trails and I said, I'm just going to do the short one. And, but it so happened that as soon as it got dark, the animals came out and, uh, and so, like, I'm, I'm on the trail, and to my left are eyes looking at me. <laughs> um, and I couldn't tell which animals, which kind of animals they were. And then I got all, you know, of course, I got, like, got all freaked out. And, and I started singing really loudly. I was actually singing foray <laughs> really loudly and just talking to myself. And I picked up the stick. And it was like my adrenaline was just out of control. And, and I started... Um, I was uphill, so I was like hiking really, really fast to get out of there because we had just had this incident last week where um, a man got attacked by a mountain lion in the oh. same area. Okay, shit. And so, but he ended up killing the mountain lion. Wow. Uh, he choked it. He, yes, right. <laughs> like, like superhero Chuck <laughs> Norris as a trail runner. And, um, and so, like, and there are all these signs in this park ab- about mountain lions and bears. And it's like bears, and you know, they freak me out, but like, I know that they're not after me. Uh-uh. Mountain lions, on the other hand. So, I'm like thinking, like, maybe that's a mountain lion. Maybe there are two mountain lions that are stalking me. Oh my goodness. I, so, um, but in that fear, and in that, just kind of getting freaked out, there was a lot of, I'm like, wow, this is like, this is, this is, I'm like, I'm human. Like I'm, I'm a part of the natural world. Mm-hmm. And that it was like a half an hour after that happened. Like when I had calmed down and like, I, mm-hmm. there were no other animals uh, that I could see mm-hmm. <laughs> following me, <laughs> you know, but, but it was like, it was, I was like, this is the essence of what it is to be a part of the universe. Mm-hmm. And so, so that is, you know, like, even those, those experiences are, are scary and, and I'm like, I don't want to be attacked by anything. It's, it was probably deer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, um, but, you know, even those are, those things are scary. Um, it's also, it also reminds me on a daily basis that, you know, I, I am a part of this natural world and I'm a very small speck, a mm-hmm. nano speck mm-hmm. of the larger universe. And that, you know, like it constantly reminds me to be grateful. It reminds me to, 
to express gratitude, to be kind to people, because, you know, that's all, that's all we got, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to take care of our earth. It's all we got. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, the, the reason I brought this up was for those who are mm-hmm. watching or listening to this um, and who didn't read your book, you, you write in your book about your first encounters with bears and how you got, you know, scared and didn't know what to do. And, and um, I, I found it, I uh, know, you have a great, great writing style. I love it. It's like a mix of, <laughs> of this like stream of consciousness, uh, no, uh, sprinkled with profanities. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, a lot of profanity. <laughs> so, so um, I love the way you write, and, and, and uh, that was just hilarious. How do you, how you know how you didn't know what to do next? Like, okay, shit, bears. Now what? <laughs> what? What? what now? So, so read the book. Read the book. It's a great book. Read. Really, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's it's really about uh, the experience. It's not only the experience with with yourself, but also the experience with with nature. That that's that's um, that's a great way to put it. I like that. Yeah. Um. You know, talking about your book, um, um, one thing that, that stuck with me was, um, oh, flipped over the phone here, uh, the phone, the uh, microphone. Um, you wrote about um, one incident uh, where you were on, I don't know, what, 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 on, a, on, a, on a bus or on a train with a guy named Jerry who, you know, slapped your, your ass basically and then uh, you, you, you um, um, uh, revenged that by, you know, I don't know, spraying some oh sp- spraying goodness. some some lotion in his face and then basically he ca- he he called you a i think something like a fat bitch or something like that That's so, fat yeah and oh my goodness and um <laughs> you wrote about how everyone around you was just you no know, you were not you no know, you were quite young at the time and all the adults around you like didn't react to it and that was something that really um hurt you or or you know Ooh. stuck with you mm-hmm. so um Maybe you can talk a little bit about the incident and also what what kind of reaction you would have expected from people around you and oh, yeah. in a situation like that. No one has ever asked me about that. That this is wow, <laughs> um, because it, you know, as you said, it's like it, it was definitely something that stayed with me and continues to stay mm-hmm. with me. Um, you know, even as an adult. Um, okay, so. <laughs> As, as a middle school student, I was very, very shy. and um, Which is hard to believe. <laughs> like, I, I know, I know. Nobody, <laughs> nobody believes me. I was very shy. You know, like I couldn't even, I didn't look people in the eye. I knew I was really smart. So I knew I had that going for me, but I had no social skills <laughs> whatsoever. And so, um, so uh, you know, so we're a group of kids, you know, we're going home uh, and these these kids are like, the the upper echelon uh, academically uh, of kids at the school. And so we're traveling together and I always traveled with them kind of on the periphery, not in their group, but because I, you know, I didn't want to be alone. Um, And so, and so I'd watch them all the time. Sometimes I'd be included. Sometimes, most times I won't, I would, I, most of, most of the times I was not included. And, um, and so anyway, so they, we had this day that was called national butt day um, that, They made up. And so what you were supposed to do was to go around slapping people's butts like as hard as you could. And it was funny for a lot of people. It was funny, but you really only did it to people within your social circle. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a lot of people in two or three of me. And we were like super nerdy. And and uh, and so it lasted the entire day. So we're on the train. Everyone's going home. And so this guy, Jerry, that's not his real name, uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, comes up to me and 
like just slaps me as hard as he could. And it was really painful. And, you know, like, and it took me off guard because I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I had not been part of the group. I was just kind of standing there reading my Mm -hmm. book. And, uh, and then like everyone starts laughing and then I just got really, like, I didn't know what to do. And so (laughs) I was really angry. And so, um, and I, but I wanted to, I wanted him to have a piece of my mind and like, I wanted to let him know that that wasn't like, it wasn't cool. Mm -hmm. And so I took my lotion out. Because I always had lotion on me, and uh, actually had two bottles, and I know exactly it was a white bottle. It was from a, like was hospital lotion that my stepfather would get all the time uh, from his job, and and I squirted it on his head, and uh, and then that's when he called me a fat. He's like, "You fat bitch," and like it kind of stunned everybody, like even stunned these people, uh, many of whom are my Facebook friends uh, now. Uh, they were who were in that social group, and. Um, and I don't think anyone kind of knew what to do. And like the, there, there were adults on the, on the train. And of course, this is New York City. So, you know, things happen all the time and people ignore them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because people are, you know, there's lots of crazy people, lots of people who are like sort of out of, out of your perceived norm. You just mm-hmm. kind of look at them and then you go back to what you're doing. And, um, you know, but, but I think, you know, like, you know, I think one of the reasons I became a teacher is because I think I hate things like that. And if I can stop that kind of behavior by making sure that kids are in a loving environment and then and 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 absolutely like not allowing and calling out that behavior um, to students and to other adults, um, then that, you know, that would I think it would put a stop to bullying. You know, when people when kids know that, you know, adults have their back. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, even if you don't know the kid, but you know that's that 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 just happened. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. So, like, and you know, in New York, people are like, well, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get involved in that. I'm, you know, that's mm-hmm. my, not my thing. But you can see somebody clearly hurting. It would have been so cool if some adult would have stepped in and like, hey, checked in with me. Hey, you're right. You know, like that was that wasn't cool that he called you a fat bitch. It probably wasn't cool that you put lotion in his head, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but, you know, he, like he had no business slapping me like that, yeah. you know, like um, and, and I wasn't laughing like it clearly wasn't funny to me. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, and the more that we allow people to just say and do whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I my um, I always saw my job as a diversity director because I, I don't actually do that. I mean, I, I do, do do diversity, but I'm actually not at school anymore. I, I left my teaching job um, okay. to be a full time speaker and writer and uh, an athlete. And um, so like I always saw my job and part of my expression, I, my job was to teach people not to be assholes, mm-hmm. how not to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, if you think about it, that, you know, that, that's it, you know, there are certain behaviors that like should not be accepted. And we, we, you know, we as a society are accepting this destructive behavior from person to person and we're not stepping in, you know, we're being bystanders and that creates this culture where people just do and say whatever the hell it is they want to say even if it's hurtful, even if they know it's hurtful. Sometimes we don't know that things are hurtful. Sometimes we do have good intentions. Um, but, you know, intentions aren't everything. It's about impact, how you impact somebody else's being and their existence. And we don't, very often, we don't have that in mind when we're talking or when we're acting or 
when we're working or when we're doing whatever it is that we do, we don't have other people in mind. It's a very self-centered existence. And so once we are able to stop those behaviors and, and, and address them, you know, as they are, Hey, look, that is destructive. We cannot have that here. Um, you know, you just hurt this other person and you just, you know, made this other person feel worthless. Like, what does that do? What does that do for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And so that's, like, I wish someone had stepped in, but they didn't. I got over it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, like I am a very successful adult. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. Like you didn't change me. Like you didn't, I, you know, again, if I were someone different, if I had no self-esteem, you know, I was, you know, I was, I had some social anxiety, but I did have self-esteem, you know, like I like I knew I was, I knew I was really smart and I knew I was going to be successful. So, um, but not everybody has that. Not everybody has, not everyone has this sort of intrinsic feeling of self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's scary to me because when, you know, like when I, you know, work with my community, my community of people like uh, that follow me, people who are my fans, a lot of people have issues with feel, feelings of self-worth. They, they feel like they have none. Um, or, you know, they have no self-esteem or no confidence and no, no ability to kind of try something new because they're afraid they're going to fail, you know, because others have made them feel like if they fail, they aren't worth anything. So like this whole, uh, you know, I think area of humanity that we need to work on, Mm -hmm. um, and, and we do need to step in when people are ugly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I've talked to a few people now, um, who, eventually became very successful in whatever it is they do, but um, they all had similar experiences with being bullied as, as uh, you know, growing young adults or, or as, as child. And um, in a way they all say the same. It's what you need in a situation where you're being bullied or where you're being abused is, is um, to be able to, or to, let's say, have the feeling that you can connect to someone. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. need to be a lot. It's just knowing that someone yeah. is there for you. That's all. It's not about, you know, <sighs> theoretically reaching out to someone. It's really just about knowing right. that someone is there. And, and by accept, accepting these behaviors and not you know, calling them out, that's you know, we're creating mm-hmm. a environment where this becomes okay all of a sudden. Right. And, and, and that, mm-hmm. I think, is the, is the big issue here. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You also talked about um, a coach that you had, and you also talked about the importance of coaches in in someone's life. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, and back when, you know, 30 years ago, oh my goodness, I don't believe it was that long ago, 30 years ago when I tried out for my field hockey team in high school, it was a new high school. Mm Uh, I was a boarding school, so I was away from home. First day of practice, my mom's looking at me because she doesn't want to leave me. <laughs> you know, all the parents, ever, all the other parents are gone. My mom's still there. And, um, you know, so I'm trying out this new sport on grass. Um, you know, and it's, it was a hot August day or a hot September day. And, and um, you know, I have to run uh, five or six loops of the field hockey field. And I never ever run that much in my life in one, you know, in one try. And uh, it was really hard, really difficult. And I was like, I, what did I, what am I doing? What did I sign up for? I can't do this. You know, I'm not cut out for sports. And, uh, but I did it. And, uh, and then we had to do a timed mile after that. And then, uh, and then we had two and a half hours of practice and where we were running up and down. And again, like for someone who like grew up, 
in Brooklyn, you know, New York City, you know, running up and down the block, you know, we, we, we were very active, but not in that way. It was always like short bursts of, of, of running. And so like I had to do all the sustained running and then, you know, I have to stick a ball, a mouth guard, shin guards and, and <laughs> clothes that weren't appropriate for being, you know, outside on a hot September day. And uh, part of me loved it. I just, I loved it. I loved that it was so different. And I'm like, wow, I, wow, I never thought I could do this. And, but, you know, it was really, really hard. And so like at, at one point we're doing these suicides where you, you know, run up to the 25 yard line, run back to the, to the start, run to the 50 yard line back. It's, it's a horrible name. I don't know why they call it suicides, but you run up to the 75 yard well, line, you come back. You, you run to the times, hundred. I didn't know why, why it's called like this. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I know why it's called that, but they should change the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and so, you know, so I'm, and like we had to do two of those. And, uh, and I'm like, I, we just ran all this. I, I can't. And, and I think we had to do it with a stick in the ball, you know, and field hockey. And, uh, and I'm going up and like, everyone's like almost finished. I'm like at the 50 yard line or I at the 75 yard line and everyone's almost finished with their hundred sprints. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I was clearly struggling as me and this other girl that were, that were struggling, you know, cause we were both girls from the city. We, we had never had to run mm-hmm. this much. And so the coach comes up to me. I, I think she's going to berate me or, you know, say, you know, like you got to do better or whatever. She says, this is hard. Right. And I, and I said, yeah, it's, I, don't, I couldn't, I just nodded because I couldn't talk. <laughs> and she's like, you know what, but you're doing it. Mm. You're working, you're doing the work. And that means that you want to be out here. Mm. So keep, you know, keep up the good work. And I'm like, what? Um, holy crap. If we, if, if everybody had an experience like that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like, and I totally expected her to say, well, you know, I don't know if you can be on the team, you know, like whatever. And you know, there definitely are appropriate ex- um, circumstances for that. But, um, uh, you know, she, you know, she just said that and like that changed my world. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, okay. She's not going to yell at me. Clearly I'm slow. Clearly like it's, 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 this is really hard for me. But she saw me trying and she said, you know what? Keep going. Good job. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I and that sold me. I was like, you know, I really wanted to be on that team. That one woman, Dot Harrop. Mm-hmm. And I saw her for the first time in 30 years last year, about oh, a year ago. Wow. Amazing. And, and and I told her she didn't. She had no idea that um, that I had you know, been this. You know, I become, you know, what I am today. She had no idea. And so she's learning all of this. She's like, wow, oh my goodness. And I was like, you know, you're in my book because I was like, you're the one, like, you're the one who, you know, by your simple act of saying, hey, this is hard, but you're out here, mm-hmm. which means you want to be, you want to do this. You want to be out here. Good job. I said, that changed my life. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm a runner today. Mm-hmm. Because after that practice, I said, holy crap, I have got to learn how to run because this sport is all running. You're running up and down the field for two hours, three hours. And um, so I got to learn how to run. And so the next day I went out and I did those five laps of the the field (laughs) and it hurt. It hurt. It wasn't fun. It hurt. (laughs) And I was like, well, I got to get better. And so, but afterwards I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, cause when you're, when you are sore and you do some exercise, you're a little bit less. So I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit better. And I did that a couple of times a week. And 
And I would see her, that Harrop, Coach Harrop, I'd see her out there running after practice or in the morning. And I was like, I want to be like her. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to just kind of pounce up and down the hill. <laughs> I still can't pounce up and down the hill. <laughs> but, you know, but I, like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. That was like, that planted that seed. Okay. Yeah. And so like, it's, and I, you know, like, and as you said, like every, I think, I don't think, I don't think everyone needs a coach, but it's, but it's definitely, um, you know, when you have a coach like that, it helps uh, you have someone at the right now, moment yeah. in your life to give you that little nudge yes, in the right direction. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. My coach now, uh, Mike Errett, and we've only known each other for a year, but you know, he's also changed my life a little bit because when we started coaching together for Boston Marathon, he would he, the first week of uh, our training together, yeah. uh, he gave me a really easy schedule. I'm like, well, who's this guy? I think I am. I can do more than this. Like, <laughs> does he think I can't do this? <laughs> and then, you know, so I did it, and so the next week. Like he ramped it up. I mean, and then I freaked out. I was like, who does he think I am? I can't do this. <laughs> this is too many miles. What does he think? Is he trying to make me lose weight? Is he <laughs> trying to change me? I, you know, and then I did it. And then he said, well, so how did it go? I was like, well, I did it. He said, well, I knew you could. And <laughs> like, there you are. Okay. Yeah. So there's always the capacity for more in all of us. We just need you know, to yeah. Yeah. bring it out. See, sometimes you need a little push. Sometimes yeah. you need a little... Uh, uh, you know, somebody you need somebody to kind of tell you what you already knew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You didn't believe it, yeah. you know. So. <laughs> okay. Um, speaking about life-changing experiences, um, you had one experience in your life where a doctor told you that, um, mm-hmm. Myrna, you got to change something. You need to do something here because yeah. you're killing yeah. yourself, basically. Um, yeah. That was back in 2008. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I was living what I thought was a very successful life. And it was, you know, I was working uh, at a school. I was, I was really good at my job. Um, you know, I had my son who was five, uh, who's, he's 15 now. He's a full grown man. That's what he thinks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, I had my husband and, uh, you know, we were living and working at a boarding school and, uh, but every single second of my life was consumed with something, not me. <laughs> It was work. It was taking care of my son. It was, you know, being a wife. It was going on the weekends to teach piano and voice lessons and, um, and uh, guitar. <laughs> I don't play guitar. And so every, every single weekend I said, and I would have maybe a half a day off a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, you know, I was much heavier than I am now. And um, I was coming back from one of these, uh, my weekend gig. And I started having chest pains on the left side of my chest. And of course, when you have chest pains on the left side of your chest, you get a little bit worried. Right. I got a lot worried, <laughs> pulled over, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what should I do? And, you know, I'm like, I am, am I going to die here? Like in my son, with my son in the car and, And it was very scary, you know, like I laugh about it now, but it was a very, very scary experience. Um, and, you know, when I like I had these pains that I'd never had before. And uh, so I eventually decided to keep driving. I was an hour away from home, which is it's dumb, you know, in hindsight, like that's the dumbest thing you <laughs> that's should, just I should have drive through my heart. 911. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but, you know, I, I got home and I went to the hospital and, um, you know, and I had to stay there for eight hours because when you have chest pains, they, they run you through tests for mm. eight hours. 
-hmm. and uh, just to make sure that you don't have any clotting or any damage to your heart. And so I didn't have any damage. Uh, so because it wasn't a heart attack, it was a panic attack, mm -hmm. which I'm like, I don't, I don't have panic attacks, <laughs> you know? And the doctor was like, well, yes, you do. Cause mm -hmm. you had a panic attack. And, you know, in hindsight, of course, you know, I didn't have any time to myself. I was working very, very long days, uh, you know, at, at a boarding school because you, you teach, you coach, you do activities, you, uh, you go, you are uh, a dorm parent at night, mm -hmm. you know, so those are your kids. Mm -hmm. And then you wake up in the morning and do it all again. And then on the weekends you do trips with them and you're their parents. And then you go, um, in, you know, that I had this other job that I was doing and, uh, and so like it took its toll on me and, uh, you know, like I was, as, you know, as I said, I was, you know, much heavier than I am now. And I had like this rash on my skin and, and, uh, I, I didn't sleep, you know, cause I was always working. I would get up super early, go to like four or five o'clock in the morning and work. And I, I always had work at home because I worked at, you know, I, I lived where I worked and, um, you know, and so my son was always sick. I was always sick. And so like, it was this horrible, horrible uh, compendium of things. And, and, and finally, so when I went to the cardiologist to follow up, just, you know, just in case there's anything, you know, like do some more tests. And he said, look, you know, how old is your son? I said, well, he's five. He said, well, do you want to see him grow up? Mm -hmm. He didn't need to say anything else. He that's all he said. That's what, I mean, you know, he said, well, you know, I need you to lose a little bit of weight and I need you to, I need you to start sleeping again. Mm -hmm. You know, I need you to take some of those, those stressful factors out of your life. I need you to, I need you to reorganize. I need you to reprioritize. And so I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. And that's in that next day. It was, it was kind of like that field hockey thing, mm -hmm. you know, where that even though it was so painful and, and just shocking to every <laughs> single bone and every fiber of my body, I saw what I needed to do. I was like, okay, well, I need to get better at running. And, and that's, that's one thing about me that, I, that I, I like about myself. I can be very clinical and very like, okay, this is what I need to do. I can look at it, look at a situation for what it is, you know, take all the emotion out, take all the other stuff that is not helpful out and say, this is what I need to do. And then I do it. So the day after that cardiologist visit, I said, okay, this is what I need to do. And it was painful. Like I get, a, I get on a treadmill. It was awful. It's like, this is, I'm like, I feel so bad now. Like, and I felt bad about myself. I felt like, how, how did I let myself get to this, to this point where I can't even run a mile? Mm -hmm. um, and it, and it, and it hurts. Mm -hmm. And so I happened to have bought a treadmill two months prior. Cause no I think in the back of my head, I knew and I needed to do something. So, um, so yeah, I got on it. It was awful. And I said, like, well, okay, this is where I'm starting. I know how running makes me feel. I know that I will get better. I know it'll be, take a couple of weeks um, and it'll continue being hard, but I, I have to do it. Like, I, hello, life. I'm going to live, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know? So, and so that was it. That was that, that, that incident that, uh, that was very cathartic. For me. Yeah, yeah. And you were at that time quite a bit heavier than you are now. You mentioned like 70, yeah, yeah. 70 pounds. I was heavier. over 300 pounds. I don't know what that is in kilograms. <laughs> yeah, like 150 or so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so quite sizable. Huh? Mm -hmm. um, you come from a family that that um, has struggled quite a bit with diabetes and, and metabolic diseases like that. Um, so one thing I want to talk with you about is um, 
sometimes what I'm struggling a bit, and I would really love to to hear your opinion about the whole thing, um, um, because we really would learn from that. Um, there, the the there's this fat acceptance um, mm-hmm. movement, let's put it this way, and I'm. But my, 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 the way I think is I'm absolutely 100% um, with all those people who say, okay, um, everybody should have the right to feel whatever they want to feel mm. in their body mm-hmm. and, and to live the life they want to live as long as it makes them happy. Absolutely. So 100% okay. agree with that. Um, the point that I'm sometimes worried about is um, when you start just accepting an unhealthy behavior. And you obviously, mm-hmm. when you have all the right to say, okay, look, you're, you're very active, mm-hmm. you're doing sports. So, so, um, Like this discussion of you know who can do what right this this is this is, right, not, right, right. this is not the discussion we should have because everyone should should uh, be able to to do whatever they want like do the sports they want like to go running go to the gym without uh-huh. being judged in any way that absolutely mm-hmm. so that's not right. but what I'm sometimes worried about is uh, with this acceptance movement that we accept behaviors that are unhealthy and if if sometimes you no know, people add that why it is no it, it it can create metabolic diseases and can lead to diabetes so where do you see the line where we say okay um um yes everyone should feel right about uh, should have the right to mm-hmm. his or her own, own body but still we should be active we should be moving we should do something about it and to improve itself because you yourself yeah. said you were mm-hmm. at the point where your your health was declining and and you needed to do something about it so where do you draw mm-hmm. that line well you know i this the whole the whole idea of, of fat acceptance is very interesting to me um i think The, the premise of the movement is um, that all bodies are good bodies, right? And I, and I think I think that's what it is. Like the body positive movement, the fat acceptance movement, the, the health at every size movement, that all of those movements have that thing in common where the idea is that, you know, you are a worthy human being no matter what size you are. Mm-hmm. That's And I do agree with that. I am, um, you know, I'm a proponent of that. Like you're, that you are worthy. You are, you are worthy. Um, your humanity is just as meaningful as somebody else's humanity that is thinner than you, that is fatter than you, that is different. So that's, that's, you Absolutely. know, that's where um, those are the, where those are the, that's the idea that I, that I, that I love and that I share. Um, I, as an athlete, I, as somebody who moves, as somebody who knows the benefits of movement, Uh, I think everybody should be moving. Um, of course, you know, we do live in a society, in a society where you have the right to do anything you want. Um, you know, I, but I, I won't judge people for not doing what I do, or I won't judge people for, for their own behaviors because they have, they, they're the people that have to deal with their own behaviors. But, but I also think, you know, like, and I'm, and I'm trying to actually develop a real thought on this, uh, a real position on, um, you know, when those, those behaviors start affecting people in your family or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, for me personally, um, I didn't want to get any less healthy than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I wanted, I, you know, and looking at my family history, looking at people who have died from uh, issues with hypertension, my grandmother uh, had a, an, uh, an aneurysm. Um, my uncle in, in my book, my uncle Greg had a heart attack. Um, uh, you know, and these are people that are like amazing people. Like they, you know, they, they were generous, open, giving, loving. Uh, they worked really hard. Um, you know, they, 
but you know, there are there are also environmental factors. There are also socioeconomic factors um, that contribute to one's health. And I think, but we cannot look at someone's size or their behaviors in a vacuum. We have to consider everything. And and I, we're not at that point yet where we are, you know, because we judge people, you know, like, you know, well, they have this behavior that, you know, maybe they're out of a job. Maybe they don't have access to good quality food in their neighborhood. Maybe they live in a food desert. Maybe they don't have enough education. Maybe, you know, so like there, I think before we, before we say things about people's behaviors, I think we have to look at the whole picture and that's not where we are right now. Um, you know, uh, but again, I, I mean, I think I think human bodies are meant to move, you know, unless you have some sort of disabling factor, um, you should be moving because like, that's why we have legs. That's why we have arms. That's why we have hearts, you know, and then when, you know, and, and really like, and this, this uh, uh, physical therapist told me, the occupational therapist told me this. She said, when we stop moving, we stop living, mm-hmm. right? And when we stop moving, we stop learning. And then we stop learning, we stop moving. <laughs> you know, like it, like it, it, you know, creates this whole uh, cycle of, you know, of us just dying. We're all dying, right? We're all dying. As soon mm-hmm. as we, we were born, we're dying. You yeah, know? Like, so dying faster. You know, so, yeah. so um, but, you know, like, it, it, I think it's, a, it's really complicated. It, it's, um, you know, I think we have to not think um, of people's, health uh as this one faceted thing because there's so many so many factors that go into somebody's health you know like i grew up in a i I, we grew up poor you know we um there were some families that on our block that could afford to have their kids in sports uh there were some families that did not have to be on public assistance so they had access to better food like my family was on public assistance a lot, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and then those dollars, those food stamps, could only buy certain foods, or like fruits and vegetables were really expensive, mm-hmm. you know. So, so we have to we have to take those things into account, um, you know, when we're thinking about health, when we're thinking about um, you know, health and, and wellness, and um, you know. Um, but but I do think that you know people are valuable just as they are. Mm. Um, and, you know, everyone has a different story. Everyone, you know, and, and everyone, um, there's a reason why everyone is the way they, they are, mm. you know, so. So it's, it's not about saying um, it's cool if you're like 400 pounds and, and, you know, diabetic, that's, that's cool. It's more about saying, hey, you are, you, you, you are worthy the way you are. And, mm-hmm. um, I shouldn't judge you by your looks because there's not only, you no know, you being lazy and you talk about this in the book as well. It's not about right, right. you being lazy and slop and, and you now dumb or whatever. It's mm-hmm. um, no considering that there are factors that not everyone can control and that, that play into right. the whole thing. And, and there are factors that you can control, but like, but again, um, <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, a lot, a lot more research needs to be done. Like, and you know, as a whole, like in, in the United States, you know, people are getting bigger. Everybody's getting bigger. You know, the norm, like for women, um, you know, 60, I think 67% of American women are size 14 and up. Um, and so it's not, 
the fallacy of one person. That's not one person's behaviors. And so like, we can't all be lazy and sitting on the couch, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, drinking soda bottles and, and eating ice cream. We, we can't all be doing that. Like, we're not all lazy. We're not all just like staying at home, not doing anything, you know? So like, there's <laughs> like there's something in the water. Um, but like, so they're like, <sighs> Obviously, a lot of societal factors. There are a lot of sort of food industry factors. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and Sugar, you know, big food. pharma, big food, big big agriculture, all of that. And so, um, you know, like we stop. You know, like this, our society was built on individualism. Um, but at some point, you know, capitalism takes over, and so you you got to think about what kids are eating in school. Mm-hmm. You know, like the kind of the kind of food that the USDA offers to kids in public schools is yeah. the lowest quality food so, ever. So like, you know, I think so it's Ma- not, Ma- and, Michael and Pollan they, talks they about this. TV, I think pizza you know? is, quanti- I think Michael Pollan is the author who talks about this. Like right. pizza is, pizza is, is classified as vegetables. Because it has tomato sauce. On it. Exactly. Which is like, yeah. And so, <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> you know, so I think, you know, like, I, you know, people want to, they want to blame one person. They want to mm-hmm. blame You know, and of course, we all have personal responsibility, but like you have to think of the bigger picture uh, and, and see what what else is what else is happening, what else is going on. So like if you have a problem with people being 400 pounds, like go get to the root of it. If you have a problem with people being I, um, whatever weight they are or uh, or whatever their lifestyle is, you know, like really look into it. Don't you know, don't take it at face value. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Are you happy with your weight right now? You know, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I have some goals mm-hmm. uh, of some particular races that um, for me, and again, I'm only speaking of myself uh, personally, um, I would like to maybe, and I know this is gonna, probably going to be controversial to people that listen to this that you know are in my community. Like for me, for performance-wise, performance if I dropped a little bit of, a little mm-hmm. bit of weight, I would be able to make the cutoffs <laughs> at, at this, these particular races. Cause I want to do a 200 mile, uh, race mm-hmm. in Lake Tahoe. Okay. Eventually. What, 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 so what, what, what do you mean by, cut, by cutoffs? And, um... uh, time cutoffs. Ah, okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you have to be able to sustain a certain, you know, a certain mile pace, mm-hmm. a mile per hour pace in order to make the first cutoff and then the second cutoff. I and so okay. like, I want to do that. And I know, and I know that I would like physics. I know that it'd be faster if I, you know, if I dropped a couple of pounds. And so, but that's not, but, and but that's not why dropping a couple of pounds is, is for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not for, any aesthetic reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people get all, you know, like I'm not, I'm not doing it because I, I feel like I want to look a certain way. Uh, I think I look good. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I do want to do this, you know, to, for performance. end. And so, um, you know, but like my body functions very well mm-hmm. the way it is now. And I'm, I'm, it's very, it's incredibly powerful. It has taken me to many places Uh, to many like really awesome places, and so so I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're incredibly fit. I mean, looking at the videos, I mean, the exercise that you do is is uh, so definitely no, no <laughs> Thank you. Thank de- you. definitely no question, no, definitely no question that you are fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about music. <laughs> you're 
<laughs> You're a, um, a trained opera singer, right? Yeah, I am. Uh, whew, um, <laughs> it's, so I went to, um, so back in, um, while I was in high school, I actually also went to Juilliard pre-college mm. uh, for classical singing. And I was one of three voice majors there. Mm -hmm. um, everybody else, like the piano department had many people and, and you know, violin and, and, you know, of course it's in New York City and it's exciting. And, mm -hmm. and so that was really cool. And then I went to Oberlin Conservatory of Music um, and Oberlin College of Arts and Sciences for college. And so, um, you know, I'd always thought that, you know, I'd be a, not, not me, other people thought that and I'd be like at the Met singing or like at like New York City Opera or like, <laughs> or like a Bayreuth or something. <laughs> and um, I, uh, but there were other things I was interested in. So like I, I didn't really pursue it much after, uh, I did for a couple of years after college. I did a lot of auditions. I did a lot of, did a lot of concerts, uh, uh, you know, a lot of sort of singing competitions, um, you know, and I, and I did, fairly well in them but uh I didn't like that grind I didn't like I was determined not to be a poor artist I didn't want to be a starving artist mm -hmm. and so I decided to work in corporate America and so um and you know like but I'm always you know I'll always be a musician I'll always be a singer um I am starting to work on it now you know because I have some projects in mind where I would I want to fuse classical music with um experiences in nature oh, okay. um so uh so, yeah so I so it's coming back, you know, I still got my chops. They're not as good as they were, but I'm working towards it. And uh, yeah, and so like, and I love, I love classical music. Like there's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like listening to some Puccini or, mm -hmm. you know, some uh, Mascagni or Rachmaninoff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? um, and uh, just enjoying that part of myself. Because a lot of people, you know, again, they look at me and, you know, they don't see a classical musician. Yeah. Uh, so Somebody that can play Rachmaninoff on the piano or like or sing Tchaikovsky or in Russian. Are, you, <laughs> you are, are, are your hands big uh, enough to play Rachmaninoff? They're not. They're, I mean, they're like, I mean, they're like, big for a woman. <laughs> like, like, like Rachmaninoff has really had like, you need these really big uh, hands like to the, play. Like, like the long, my fingers would have needed to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but, oh man, that, that, that's another thing that just kind of, you know, like we talked about before about like piano, like just kind of feeding my, feeding my musical soul. Like just, just, Classical music in general mm. uh, just feeds me in a way that other music doesn't. And uh, and I'm so glad that I have it in my life. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> so um, any, any like the, the, that project that you have, is that something that's going to launch soon? So where can people learn more about that? Or is it still in the secret development stages? It's, well, it's, still, it's still in the development stages. I got to like get some sponsors. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, I will say that it will be an immersive experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and and arts based experience in nature. Okay. Thank you. Um, and, and I'll be, I'll be posting about it on my new website that uh -huh. just went live last week. It's called oh, it the, it's the motivator.com. Yeah. Uh, okay. I didn't see that one. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> okay. yeah. It's, uh, it's very new. Well, I've been, we, I've been working on it with the, the, uh, with a branding company for a long time. And so it finally launched, um, And it's beautiful. It's a really, really beautiful website. It's just the motivator.com. The motivator thing. And yeah. yeah. There we go. It's loading. And uh, yeah. got all my partners and my sponsors. Ah, uh, there we go. Uh, ah, I didn't see that one. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> it. It's nice. I like it. 
Yeah. So I'll be posting all my events on that. And, uh-huh. uh, um, but also like I'm, I'm a very, very heavy Instagram user. Uh, you know, I'm actually a professional Instagrammer now. So, uh, yeah, you're I, people pay, official pay me to post things on Absolutely. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, so I'm always, you can always find out, uh, you know, what's going on in my, in my life there. My son actually checks my Instagram before he calls me, mm-hmm. uh, because then he knows where I am. <laughs> he's in boarding school so okay, he's okay. you know he's you know he'll call me and say like where are you oh i think you're in colorado now because i saw that on on your instagram um but uh yeah i post there i also have a facebook um a public two public facebook pages fat girl running and one word and uh and also myrna valerio dash the Mernovator, and that one is kind of curated by my my publicist mm-hmm. um and uh and then I am on I'm on Twitter, but I think Twitter is a very dangerous place sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I'm not on Twitter a whole lot, but I, I mean, I, I do have, you know, quite a number of followers on Twitter too. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, at the motivator at gmail.com, if people have questions or, mm-hmm. or comments, uh, you know, just don't send me a nasty comment cursing me out because I like to run. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I see. Okay. Uh, so, um, what what what's your favorite favorite song or composition or? Oh my god, I have so many. Um, wow, I have so many. Um, I really love. Oh my goodness, I don't have one favorite thing because it's whatever you know. I always have a playlist in my head, mm-hmm. always. And it's always like I have one, I have a classical playlist and then I have like a sort of pop, <laughs> hip hop, R&B, that kind of playlist too, like alternative music. Um, there's so many things I really love listening to Puccini and Verdi. I love, you know, I love uh, listening to Callas, uh, Maria Callas and, uh, and Leontine Price and, and, I love singing things in Russian because it's, because I have a big voice, I'm a big girl and I don't have to be small <laughs> like okay. singing in Russian because it's all dark and loud um, and, and heavy. And so, uh, could you uh, sing something? but I really, uh, can I sing something? Or, I'm um, putting you on the spot here. <laughs> okay. Pick, uh, okay. Um, pick a language. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, should I sing something in German? Um, I mean, I me pick a language or yeah, you pick a language. Ah, uh, 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 well, sing German. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear that. <laughs> Now um, that you mention okay, it, of okay. course, yeah. <laughs> I have to think. I have to think. Uh, I just thinking. I know the words. Um, that's funny because I don't have any music on me, and usually I'm like, uh. Schubert, I could do some Schubert or Brahms. Yeah, I'm not picky with that. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can remember this one song. This Brahms. Immer Liza. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me, you know, I'm going to call, I'm going to look at the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's called uh, um, 
immer leiser wird mein Schlummer. Uh -huh. <laughs> And, Which uh, roughly translate into um, my, my slumbers my is getting quieter and quieter. It's yeah. getting more quiet, more quiet yeah, right? Exactly. Oh my goodness, I'm not warmed up and I'm sick. So, <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, Amazing. That you time. really can sing. <laughs> Amazing. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Work, work on my, my uh, pronunciation. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I, I understood I understand everything. So that's that's uh yeah, that's good. That's good. Sehr gut, sehr gut, actually. It's sehr gut. Sehr gut gesungen. Sehr schön gesungen, Mirna. <laughs> wow, amazing. Thank you so much. That that's great. Um you you know, we talked a lot about your um book. And I'm, I'm just curious uh, how the, the whole book thing happened. So, uh, oh my goodness. Uh, I have the best book story ever. Uh, I, you know, because I had this blog and I had all this, mm -hmm. suddenly I had all this notoriety and, you know, I'm on all these media outlets and people are writing articles about me and uh, just because I'm a fat runner, <laughs> you know, it was a story, you know, that people were interested in. So I got contacted by two um, literary agents. Mm -hmm. And one of them, uh, you know, they're like, we really love your blog. Are you considering writing a book? And I'd always been considering writing a memoir of some sort. I, because I've always been a writer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I wrote for my college paper. I wrote for some magazines after, uh, after I graduated from college. And, and, so, uh, and so they're like, hey, you know, let's do it. I'm like, okay. And I didn't have to send out any queries. I didn't have to do any of that other work that most people have to do. <laughs> And so I signed with this one agent who happened to be Barack Obama's first literary agent. Holy shit. Okay. And yeah. 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 And, um, I, and so I went to work, they got my proposal together and they sold my book to, um, a publisher and, And then I had four and a half months to write my book. <laughs> okay. And, and so I wrote it and that was the easy part. Okay. The not easy part was the editing and because it's like really deflates your ego. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, 
So, so is, how, how, uh, how does the right. process work for someone who uh, hasn't written a book? Yeah. Uh, what is? The, I'm sorry. What yeah, how, how does the whole editing process work for those who haven't written the oh, book? Okay. So. so you write. You know, you write your sixty-five thousand words. In my case, I uh, wrote one hundred and ten thousand mm-hmm. words, and uh, and so like you go the first editorial, the first part of the editorial process is where you work with a developmental editor, mm-hmm. and they are the people that work with the voice. They work with the making your ideas more cohesive. And, you know, I know I'm a good writer. Like I, I've always known that I'm a good writer, but like, you know, you can always be better. You can always hone your craft. Mm-hmm. And that's what this person does. And, you know, they tear it apart. They are, they're not mean, but they're very, they're very clinical. Again, mm-hmm. they look at it and like, this could be better if you did this, if you took this whole 200 pages out, <laughs> if you took this, you know, this whole chapter and reworked it, and and you know made this as your theme because it seems like it's your theme but it really isn't now but we're, we're going to work on it to make it better um and it, it really sometimes it kills your spirit but you're like oh like when you're done with through the process you're like oh that's wow that's what it could be <laughs> you know and so but it's very it's exhausting and it you know that the editorial process took uh i want to say I started writing the book in May of 2016, um, and then I, I submitted it October 28th, 2016, mm-hmm. the manuscript. Mm-hmm. Got it back right before Thanksgiving, uh, November 20, like third or something like that. And I couldn't look at it because I was too scared to open. <laughs> I was too scared to open up the editor's, the editor's version. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so then they, suddenly, they, they, they cut it into pieces for you or they do like the editing. So they, they take out stuff and say, ah, no, that, that's, no, that's no go, they don't take out. I mean, they, they write notes on everything. So okay. now we have like, we have track changes in Word, mm-hmm. you know, in Word, Microsoft Word. So it's like all red. They, it comes back all red. Highlight something and it's all red. <laughs> you know, everything is highlighted. And there are these little notes for every single thing. Hey, this would be better if you use this other word. Oh, I, or, or, you know, occasionally I really love this paragraph and it's just, it just, you know, <sighs> everything about it is, you know, you're like, thank God. And then the next paragraph is like, please remove this paragraph. It doesn't make any sense. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's like an up and down. It's a constant roller coaster of emotions. And um, so, yeah, so that's that. And, uh, and then after that, that's the first editorial pass. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest because you're dealing with all, like, all of the major, major, major things. And then so you fix it. They give you a couple of weeks to fix it. Mm-hmm. And then you go through another editorial pass, and then they give you a couple, like they give you a few days to fix it. Mm, okay. It's very, you know, because I'm, work, I was also teaching and working on my job. Mm. I was also racing, doing marathons, yeah. and doing speaking engagements, and doing like photo shoots, and um, and then a third editorial pass from the developmental editor is, you know, just like okay, let's just fix up these few things. It looks great. Uh, then they send it to a copy editor. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Then they send it to the legal. They have a legal read. And so okay. the, a lawyer reads it just to make sure that, every, you know, all of your quotes are you're allowed to use the quotes that you use. And you're allowed like when you speak about people, I had to get permission from my son oh, really? to write about. Him. Yeah. OK. I had to put him on the phone with the lawyer. Uh, and he goes, yes, I give I give her verbal consent. <laughs> <laughs> He was 13. I was like, you can't give me verbal consent. <laughs> so I can so give he, you yeah, consent so, to give him the verbal consent. Like, like, <laughs> I give you consent to live. Um, so, <laughs> and then, um, and then it goes through a copy editor. Uh, so a lot of steps. 
And then, then there's a final editorial process. And that's, that was twice with the, the acquisitions editor who reads the entire book and then, you know, ask some big questions. And then, then they do the final read. I get the final read and I get to make any last minute changes that I want mm-hmm. and that I need. And then, then I can't touch it. anymore. Okay. Um, and that was, that's scary when you can't, cause I read the book now. I'm like, Oh, I would have done that differently. Yeah. Had you start I, you questioning know. yourself probably. Ah, yeah. Is that the okay? yeah. care? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. And that, but it was really cool. Like, you know, like it's a, like, holy crap, not everybody gets to write a book. Not everybody gets, you know, or people do write books and then they don't get published. Yeah. I mean, m- know, most of the books written just, they, they end up in, in like nowhere. It's like, like, you know, right, they, right. They, they sell like five copies to their friends and then that, that's it. And then they're right. And then like, people are still buying my book. Like yeah. I, you know, I get a message every day. Oh, I'm on, thir- I'm, I'm on chapter three of your book. I'm on chapter 19 of your mm-hmm. book. And I love when you talk about the Marine Corps marathon and, mm-hmm. you know, um, or, you know, and it's, it's really, it's a really cool process. And I'm like in the, I'm about to write my proposal for my second book. Oh, wow. Okay. And that, which will be on adventure. Because um, I'm utilizing adventure. Adventure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've seen my my Instagram lately, but uh, I've been trying a lot of new sports: uh-huh. <laughs> uh, surfing, mountain biking. Yeah, I saw skiing, like the, the, the snowboarding. <laughs> what you say, rock climbing. What did you say about the like 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 that that surf instructor looking at your ass all day long, basically? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to, I had to apologize. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> Enjoy the view, but uh, well. And it's, and it's funny because it was hilarious. That was a hilarious uh, and very life changing experience. Are you a surfer at all? Oh no, no, no. We don't. We don't. We don't even have like sea uh, in Switzerland. So. If, if you ever have a chance to go, uh, I don't know if like in the Mediterranean anywhere or. Uh, um, to go to like a Caribbean island or Hawaii or or Costa Rica, this I you know this like after running, it's like when I can't run anymore, I'm gonna surf because there's so many. It's just such a an amazing. I love water. I any sort of water sports I love, and um, and I didn't think I could do it. I was like I was like oh I'm not gonna be able to do it. I'm gonna go anyway. I'm just gonna roll with it. And I got up on the board the first day, and it's like the, all these metaphors for life on the surfboard, and it's just like an incredible thing. Um, but like the surf instructor guy you know he was the head of all of the instructors and uh, very calm very sort of like even measured and very young you know and uh i'm like i gotta listen to this young guy uh, but um but really just really good at what he did and and i was like oh sorry my like sometimes like my bathing suit would malfunction in the front <laughs> and things would pop out and he's like that's okay it's costa rica it happens all the time <laughs> And it was just such a chill experience. So he got you know, the full like experience. I, you know, I, was never, I never felt like stigmatized as a larger person out there. And it's mm-hmm. just, and it was just, it's an incredible sport. You should, uh, you should definitely try it. Like, and it, you know, if you have, you said you have a little girl. And we have uh, three little girls. Three little girls. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I have one and I can't, I can barely take care of him. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's an amazing sport for kids. Okay. Like it's so, it makes you feel so powerful and, and incredible and like and, and truly connected with nature and, and okay yeah well we actually did right next time I'm, you know we're going holiday somewhere i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm just miserable at water sports and i, I tried uh, water skiing a few times and i just i just failed like i, I couldn't get up on those damn things so <laughs> that's just... you know what surfing is way easier <laughs> okay okay, okay. I like that. i'll try I'll, I'll try i'll make it i'll, I'll try I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know how it goes <laughs> right okay good luck <laughs>
Yeah. And so, so um, going back to the book, so then um, how, uh, no, when you were done, I mean, it became a best-selling book? It became an Amazon bestseller. Amazon uh, actually, up until like two weeks ago, I was on the uh, it was number, it was like one of like the number one bestsellers mm-hmm. uh, on Nope. Oh, now the connection dropped. I buy paperback because I love yep. having the book in yeah. my hand. But Sorry, a lot of could, people... could, you, could you repeat everything you said after Amazon because the connection just froze ah. um, for like a few oh, yeah, seconds? I just got a... I'm holding. Are, are we good now? Um, I think... Are we good? Yeah, I, I see you. I hear you. So, um, yeah. You just froze okay, okay. after like Amazon bestseller. Yeah, I got it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, it was an Amazon uh, bestseller up until about two weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, on Kindle. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what I did now that made people mad that they're not buying my book at Kindle, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it is, uh, but it's, you know, that's the way people consume books now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I actually, I love paperback books. I love, you know, actually having the book in my hand, but I also, I listen to a lot of books cause I'm on the road. All yeah, the time. yeah. Same here. Same here. So, yeah. And um, the great thing so, is you can yeah. start listening and then you can continue to read and, and go back and forth. Right, and that's, right. that's, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and so lots of people are, you know, reading on their phones, they're reading on their tablets or the, on their computers mm. while they travel. Uh, it's easier. It's lighter. Uh, you can fit more books onto your phone than, you know, into your bag. Mm. And, uh, and I, I also did, I recorded the audible. Uh, oh, wow. You book. did your help. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's me. I, I had to audition. <laughs> really? Probably, and, right? Yes, I did. Uh, I'm like I'm auditioning for yeah. my own book, but I get it because yeah, not everybody yeah. is like but a reader. You, 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 you just don't have that Myrna feel. I don't know. We, we, <laughs> I'm like okay, it's, 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 but it's, I gave it's some not, very specific it's instructions. It's not authentic. It's said, not authentic. We can't take you. I'm sorry. Said, you know, it's, no, it's, it's, it's hilarious because I, you know, I was like, I, but I'm the only one that can. It's my story, but you know, there are people that are really great narrators. You know, but I said very specific guys like this person has to be able to, you know, to code switch from like black English to standard English to uh, with a slight New York accent. And when she gets angry, it's mm. the New York accent really comes out. And she has to be able to speak Spanish without an American accent. <laughs> and yeah, okay. I was like, very, very specific. Like, and so I think they like, were like, uh, okay. Then there's only you left. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, so how long did that take recording the book? I mean, the recording it was a week long process. Okay, okay, okay. So how many yeah, times like yeah. do you have to repeat like passages? It's like uh... you know after after like the first day where you're kind of getting into your rhythm, mm. I had to I had to do a lot of retakes on that first day. Uh, but after you get you establish a rhythm, you establish your sort of workspace and how far you want to be away from the computer, how close, <laughs> like, you know, if you want a pillow against your stomach because your stomach is rumbling, uh, you know, after you figure that out, after the first couple of hours, it becomes, oh, okay, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and, you know, it's because you work with an, like an engineer, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who's editing as you're doing it. It's so incredible. Oh, okay. And then you also work with a director. Oh. And so, and, and the director is often somebody that is the professional TV director, uh, mm-hmm. like a radio director. And so, you know, they'll stop you. Okay. You know, that was, your was really high on that. Um, or you, you're sounding a little hoarse, go take a break, you know, come back. Or uh, this wasn't as emotional as the writing is. So let's, let's, oh, let's okay. work on that. Okay. You know, it's really, it's really cool. You know, like, and I, you know, my background is in theater and opera and stuff like that. So I, I know like I can, I can do it. And, and I knew that it was going to take a lot of, a lot of takes and I hadn't actually read my book in its entirety beforehand. So it was like oh, new to okay. me. So I would, oh. you know, uh, so, uh, 
so that was that it was it was a really really cool very different kind of experience and, and i actually so, got paid for that too oh, oh well, that, that's pretty cool <laughs> Even better. and while you were reading it did you have moments where it's like ah that doesn't really sound well when you yes. read out oh, loud, absolutely like... absolutely and every 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 single author that reads their own book goes through that and i was like mm. oh that well that syntax wasn't the best mm. <laughs> Or, you know, I could have described this in a different way. And sometimes like, if it's a if it's a word choice thing, that's a, like a similar word choice, you can actually change it. But they have to put a note at the end. You know, we did change some things or uh, okay. uh, or if there there was a like if there was a grammatical error somewhere that I hadn't caught that nobody had caught. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm just going to change it. And I changed it. Okay. Right. And then at the end, he's like, "Do you know you changed it?" I was like, "I was like, I can't have that bad grammar because it sounds like it's so egregious, <laughs> and uh, I just can't have that." He's like, "He's like, I get it because some people do like they notice it and they're like, oh my god, I don't want people to think I'm uneducated.'" <laughs> 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 so yeah, but um, and then at the end, uh, you know, they're they're essentially they're finished with it. All they have to do is to do some splicing and mm -hmm. you know to take out any you know, other kinds of noises and stuff. Yeah, and, but the, you're in a professional chapter breaks studio. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, they add a little music. This is audible, you know, <laughs> or, you know, uh, the little voice and, uh, And, but it's really cool. I haven't listened to it. I don't know what we were doing our next question. Did you listen to that one at least? So you didn't no, read your book, but no, you got to listen want to, to it. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I don't want to. <laughs> Maybe I'll do, let you know how, how, how it is. You let <laughs> but, me know but it's how interesting. It is. I, interesting. I, um, and, um, uh, a few months back, I, I talked to another um, uh, some person who also published a book both in, in like in print and as an um, audiobook, and he said, "No, I'm not going to listen to that one. No, 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 no chance." But he didn't. He didn't record it himself. There was someone else like, "Nah, nah not interested in that." So okay. just going to ruin it for me, probably. <laughs> so <laughs> cool. And then, then, then how how did the how did the um, promotional part? go i mean um was it all, it was cool. like my, was it all hands off for you like you just collected your check it's and not then hands like, off it's no it's not hands off uh it is it is a very sort of intense process because uh my my uh publishing company is actually owned by amazon so uh, okay. the cool thing about that was that i we had all of those amazon built-in things mm -hmm. um you know Other people, you know, other people enjoyed blah, 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 blah. And so your book would come up under that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, but I definitely, uh, I had sponsors that sponsored my book tour. Okay. Uh, uh, Merrill and REI both sponsored my book tour. Mm -hmm. And so like I got to, I, I got to go around talk, speaking about my book, showing the, the video. And uh, that was really cool. Not everybody gets to go on a book tour. Sure. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so that definitely helps sell books. Um, you know, you know, I had to be very sort of vigilant and busy on my own social media channels and, and, uh, going to speaking engagements and selling the book and, and, uh, doing book signings and stuff. And that's, that's, it's pretty stressful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really cool that I, I'm able to do that. And like, I actually have a book. I wrote it. I got, it's published. People are buying it. Mm -hmm. People want to, to find out more. They're, they're wondering when my next book is coming out. So that's really cool. Uh, but it's definitely not hands off, you know, like you have a say in most things like, you know, we're going to do this promotion in Australia. Uh, you, we need you to sign off on it. Mm. Um, we, you know, we're going to do this promotion on Kindle or we're going to do this, uh, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, we need you to sign off on it. We need you to like spread the word. And 
and stuff. And so I haven't been really great about spending, spreading the word because a lot of times in podcasts, I don't even talk about my book because I forgot I wrote it. Because <laughs> <laughs> sure. there's so many other things going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, uh, so it's, 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 you know, it's been, it's really awesome. It's, you know, uh, would I do th- things differently? Will I do different things differently with my next book? Like in terms of the way I talk about it and the way I sort of spread the word? Absolutely. Will I do a, will I, will I edit my own stuff differently before I hand it in mm-hmm. as my manuscript? Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, will it be shorter? Hopefully. It's not too long if it's not getting boring. And it, no, that, that's the point. And some books, like, they, they are very short, but no, they could be shorter still because they're just boring. They're just boring. <laughs> <laughs> to repeat themselves like in every chapter, I was like, oh, Jesus, and get to the point for God's sake. But no, it certainly wasn't the case with yours. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, well. oh yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a book critic. <laughs> no. <laughs> cool. No, okay, that's amazing. So, so um, well, when is your um, adventure book coming out? You know, I have to, I have to write it. <laughs> so, probably What are you two doing? years. Get started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I know, I know. Next week, next week is the week. That's the the week I have slated to write my proposal. Okay, so yeah. hopefully, hopefully something will happen. And, uh, and uh, like all the stuff that I'm doing now is all research for. Oh, okay. Since I, you know, since I was named a National Geographic Adventure of the Year. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah. Should have included um, in your introduction. So that's kind of, that's, it's part of my identity now, and uh, and you know, I've always been very adventurous anyway. So like, I want I want to bring adventure to people who think it's not accessible to them. And, like like whom? Uh, you know, like to people like, you know, I'm thinking about people in my community, my home community, you know, who think that, you know, well, they they think that adventure is going like climbing a mountain or something. But there's mm. so many other things that we can do mm. that would that sort of explore the fullness of humanity and the fullness of the world that doesn't have to be ice climbing or or, you know, going to Everest or, <laughs> or you know, doing those like really extreme things, you know, like going to a park in your neighborhood and like digging for worms. That's an adventure. That's what I used to do as a kid. Gotcha. And, um, you know, I'm not going to be digging for worms anymore, but (laughs) (laughs) I do want to show people that you can, you know, wherever you are and whatever skin you're in, whatever body you're in, that you can have fun and you can explore. So, um, so that's, that's, that'll be sort of the the focal point of the book. Okay. Great. Great. Um, Myrna, um, I want to ask you two last questions and I'm always asking everyone the same two, two questions. And the first question is, um, this is a you know, series of interviews and uh, podcast about extraordinary people. And who do, you, who do you consider to be extraordinary? Who is something who is inspiring or, you know, is changing the world or, or you know, whatever you would consider extraordinary? You know, I, you know, I had, um, I had to think about this a lot because there's so many people that are so cool. And that are changing the world in both small and big ways. Um, and so the person that right now, you know, other than my mom, <laughs> um, who I and just admire so much and who's really so quiet about it, uh, is my coach. My coach is named Mike Errett. Mm-hmm. And he has run uh, across the United States twice. Okay. Uh, And at every mile, he did it to honor veterans, Mm -hmm. uh, to to U.S. US, uh, like military veterans. Mm -hmm. And at every mile, he stopped and planted a flag for for, uh, fallen for fallen soldiers. Okay. 
And so, you know, that's 3,000 something miles across the United States. And then he also did it from north to south. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and then he wasn't quite finished his mileage. So he went back home to Idaho and ran around this field for 300 times planting, <laughs> okay. planting more flags at every mile. And, uh, and he's, he's an incredible person because, you know, he's, he's, he's in uh, a documentary about runners over, over the age of 50 mm-hmm. that just came out on Amazon prime a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And, what's, uh, the and h- h- what's the name of the uh, documentary? I don't know. <laughs> I've okay. seen it. I've watched it many times. I'll get that information to you. Okay. But, uh, but he's also like, he's an incredible coach. And he also grew up like he had a leg deformity uh, okay. when he was born uh, and his like his feet were turned in, his legs were turned in. And then he was told that he would never walk regularly or, or run, or, um, but had the surgery. And, you know, now this guy's doing hard rock 100, uh, which is one of the hardest, most difficult most crazy 100 milers in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's in his late fifties and, uh, and he's still kicking it. He is still strong as hell. Uh, he's no nonsense. He's, but he's also very loving and compassionate. You know, when you, uh, you know, as I told you, like when he's going to send me my training plan, I was like, what is this guy thinks I'm crazy? Like, I, you know, <laughs> I can't do this, you know? Um, and he's very high expectations of other people and of his, of himself. And, um, uh, and uh, yeah, it's like, I, you know, he's like one of my heroes uh, and I've, you know, I've only known him for a short time. Uh, and it's, and he, I don't think he's someone typical that like you would, you know, you might look at this guy and think he's just like a, an older white guy mm-hmm. in, in Walmart or whatever. But you don't know that he's done like, you know, Marathon de Sable a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You don't know that he's done Hard Rock and that he's done these crazy 100, 150 mile races. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, because he just looks like this humble old guy. Okay. And he's he's amazing. He's cool. amazing. Okay. That's that's my person. Wow. Okay. I look him up. That's, that's <laughs> cool. And then um, my last question, and then uh, that's that would be the end of our conversation today. Um, what's your message to everyone who's watching this or listening to this? Uh, I have many messages. Go ahead. Um, we have time. That, that, <laughs> you know, but what resonates to me right now is kindness and gratitude. Um, expressing kindness and gratitude in as many forms as you can. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I often find myself when I get annoyed uh, with myself or with other mm-hmm. people, I'm not very, I'm not always kind and I'm not always grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a practice that I'm working on mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that I think other people should work on and need to work on is is practicing kindness in everything that you do kindness to yourself kindness to others kindness to people you don't even know um and and expressing gratitude in everything that you do uh so that i mean and that's all and i think that encapsulates everything that i do um my work my life uh, my community my family um because i am incredibly grateful for their presence in my life. I'm, I'm grateful for my community. I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk to you today. Um, and you know, all that, all that gratitude that it forces me to be kind all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so there you go. That's, that's what it is today. Marina, thank you so much for your time. It's been a wonderful conversation mm-hmm. and, um, well, I'll get in touch when you have your other book out. <laughs> let's, let's talk <laughs> all about right. <laughs> in a couple of years, but okay. <laughs> thank, thank you so, so much. much.
talk soon. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you for watching. And in a few seconds, you'll hear about the extraordinary person that I'm going to talk to in my next conversation. But before that, I need to ask you for your help. See, finding people who inspire and motivate you to make a change, that's what's most important to me. But to connect you with these amazing people and to bring you conversations that you will not find anywhere else, I need you to become a part of our journey. So please get involved and leave a comment below with your own questions and maybe even tell me who I should talk to next. And if you know anyone who might like this conversation, then please share it because I'm sure that they will like it too and it will help to grow this channel and to make an impact together. And by the way, on my website, you will find all current and upcoming episodes, including show notes and transcripts, background info, books and websites of my guests, podcast links, and much more. And once you become an email subscriber, there is always some exclusive content. So don't forget to sign up and I'll see you in the next conversation. In the next episode, Rob talks to Bas Rutan. As one of the earliest UFC heavyweight champions, former king of Pancrase and Thai boxer, Bas Rutan has faced some of the toughest opponents and is considered one of the greatest fighters of all time. But none challenged him as much as his personal struggles, from chronic illness and bullying as a kid to beating an opioid addiction. In this episode, Bas tells Rob a rollicking tale of learning to swing through trees, standing up to bullies, knocking people out, coming out tops at a high school reunion, finding his way back to his faith, and much more. Join the conversation now. <laughs>